Welcome to Bound by Books. I am one of your hosts, writer Danielle Bannister, and I'm joined today by writer Tina Moss. And today we're going to be discussing the differences and similarities of indie publishing versus traditional publishing and how to know what path might be right for you. Yeah, I love this topic because I have, I asked to do this because I have kind of both sides of the coin and then I have the middle ground, which is the small press. Um, for those of you who might be newer listeners, I own a small press called City Owl Press and it's a company that I started in 2014. But before we get there, I'd like to tell you maybe a little bit about my publishing journey. Danielle, I'd love to hear about yours so we can kind of get the background because sure. we're familiar with both ends of the spectrum. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I started way back in the dark ages, I will call it, of <laughs> indie publishing. Um, yes, before indie publishing was really indie publishing. And I started, like most authors at that time, down the traditional path, which was finding an agent, going with a traditional publisher, one of the New York houses. I think it was the big six. And I think we're down to the big four. So ever shrinking market of traditional publishing before the medium size and small presses started to pop up. So at that time, I was writing with my co-author, who also happens to be the co-founder of my publishing company, um, because of the path that we took. So we had written a book together and we had queried agents. And lo and behold, we did get an agent for that book. And then began the, the trek of um, a thousand miles, we'll call it. <laughs> because it ended up being um, an interesting relationship and in that they tried to sell the book to traditional houses. Um, when I say they, it was a senior and a junior agent who we worked with at the time. And we got to acquisitions twice and we got rejected at acquisitions twice, um, which for anybody who's been down that road knows how rough that is because it is the last step in the traditional publishing process when you've already gone through many, many hurdles. Um, so we were, we were pretty dejected at that time. However, around the same time, indie publishing started to rise. And with the indie publishing became some not great things, which I think we'll get into later, but one of those things was vanity publishing. Now, my agent at the time decided that they would expand the business by going into essentially what was indie publishing, small press, author package type deals. It was very, you know, gray area, a lot of blurred lines because things of that nature really didn't exist. Ultimately, we decided to allow them to have our book. I wrote more books after that as solo projects, realized that this was not the way to go. Um, it just, it was, it, was, it was the wrong, wrong path. So after now we had been several years in the game, had a much larger network of people, understood the business a lot better. We did um, cut ties with our agent at the time. And it was in 2012, I believe, that we decided, you know what? I think we could do this a little bit better than most. Let's give this a shot. And we had then for the next 18 months done intense market research 
before we launched our company and we used our own book um, as a guinea pig for, for test launch in 2014. I think that was September, 2014. And by June of 2015, we then had enough of the process down. We started to take on other authors. So that was my very long road. I am technically an indie author because I publish myself, but I publish myself through the small press. So all of my authors with the company are small press authors, but I'm technically indie. It's very confusing. <laughs> but Many roads to publishing. Many that, is, that is the very, very long road of, of how I ended up um, in, in the small press world and the indie, indie <clears throat> world. How about you, Danielle? Well, it's it's a sort of a similar path, and uh, I, I started in those sort of dark ages, as it were, as well. Um, back in 2011, you know, indie publishing was was a thing, but it was sort of looked at as, oh, you're only indie publishing because you're not good enough to get a traditional agent, and. And they may have been right because Lord knows I had been querying and sending letters and getting, you know, the rejections that, that we all get. And I just, I sort of got frustrated with it. And I'm like, well, there's this thing. I have a thing. Maybe, maybe I can just do it that way. And so I, I did go that way. And, and, and like you, I had a co-author relationship uh, with someone and we got uh, tapped for an agent and we were with an agent and our manuscript was being shopped out to those big six and and funnily enough it was the agent said you know we really liked the the, the human element of the story because we had sort of written it as a fantasy and a romance and my mm -hmm. friend took on the fantasy role and I took on the human element and the two worlds sort of collided so we really like the, the human element. We're not so keen on this fantasy. Any any chance we could just hmm. get the human story, which happened to be the story that that I had told. Right. And we had, you know, we're like, eh, we we've <laughs> we've worked so hard to build this thing. And right. so how do we do we that? Just, how do we do that? Yeah. So we said, well, maybe we'll just you keep all of your fantasy elements and I'll mm -hmm. keep my human elements and we'll try. And I started writing and that actually is the story that turned into Girl on Fire, actually. Believe it or not. Did it that's really? Just, oh, that's so funny. That, okay, quick side up. note for, for listeners. Um, I read Danielle just like as a friend book because we were in our author marketing group together. I'm like, I, I have to read one of her stories. I happened to pick up what was then Enigma and loved it so much that I offered uh, her contract with my company for Girl on Fire because it's it's a phenomenal book. So that is that is really funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so yeah, we we ended up like dis disbanding from from that agent because it was years that they had wow. this title and yeah. years of you know this dangling of this carrot, and we were mm. just like, can we just do it on our on our own? And so the project that I had sort of started that became Enigma that turned into Girl on Fire ended up being a, a completely different story than than this combination anyway. I didn't tell the male's story. I told a female's story. So mm -hmm. it was completely different. And so we ended up just letting go of the agent and publishing it on our own. We, wow. we, we ended up getting frustrated by how long yes. it took <laughs> and just how frustrated you just had this work that you can't do anything with you're not making any money off of it and yeah it, it was it was maddening and so we sort of took control and so I have um uh 17 titles out to date two of them are with small presses but the rest of them are 
are indie based. So I, I have that sort of, I, I've dabbled in, in both, but I'm, I'm probably firmly in the, the, the indie mm-hmm. uh, space. I feel a little bit more comfortable knowing how to do that. But yeah, that, that's my, <laughs> that's my journey. <laughs> similar, similar, and yet different. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. That's funny though, that you mentioned that about the, the waiting game, because that I think we're going to talk about the pros and cons of both ways, but definitely that is a con of the traditional path. Even with, with my small press, the fastest, I think we take books to market is six months and that's incredibly fast. Most of our editors are booked up at this point until 2024. So you're talking like a two year wait if you signed now. Um, right. Sometimes that changes, of course, depending on where the book's at and if an editor has a spot filled in or if it's filling a certain line or whatever, but it is a long wait. I always tell authors that come on with us, it is a hurry up and wait because we need what we need right now. Um, and then you need to wait. And then we need what we need right now again. And then you need to wait. So like, And then from the author side, it's like, oh, things are happening. Things are happening. And then no, no, it's not. No, it's so really not. I will tell you, for example, um, there is an author, and I can't say who, obviously, who is dying and waiting to release news about their audiobook. And I feel awful because the contract was signed months ago, but the company in, in their right, you know, wants to wait to produce it, to have a huge marketing campaign for it. So they're like, please don't say anything right now. So it's like, ah, oh, here's this news that I'm really excited about that I've been waiting forever for and can't say anything. Right. <laughs> right. And, and yeah, I think that that's, that's something that, that you, you, you need to consider if you're deciding, you know, do I want to go with a traditional house or an indie house or what, what are some of those sort of pros and cons? Yes. You've got the, the pro of, you know, they're going to take care of all of the cover design and the editing fees. And that that's something I don't have to worry about. And a lot of publishing houses will will do some, not all, Mm -hmm. some of the marketing for Mm -hmm. you. So there's a piece you don't have to. So it's like you can just write the book and then hand it off. Right. So for some, that's that's what they want. They don't they don't want to deal with any of the other business end. That's just something that they're just hands off for. Um, But on the, the, the sort of flip side, it's that you have to be really comfortable with waiting. Yes. <laughs> really comfortable. Like so comfortable. You gotta like, you know, like it's a warm bath that you're just gonna yeah. slip into and stay there yeah. for a while. And even when the water gets cold and you're freezing, yeah. you still gotta be comfortable. <laughs> you gotta forget that you even wrote that book at all. It's, it's so hard. It's so it's hard. gone. Forget and about I it. I own the company and it's still hard for me because I will literally say to an author, you know, oh, I need a synopsis for the foreign market tomorrow. And then it'll be 10 months before we hear anything. You know, it'll be like months and months down the line. She's like, wait, I thought you needed this like yesterday and you made me write this. I'm like, yep, that's yep. that welcome to publishing. <laughs> yeah. and, and authors, you know, admittedly probably don't understand all of the, the, the things that are happening behind the scenes. They just think that their book is on a desk somewhere gathering mm-hmm. dust that nobody <laughs> is paying it attention. And that may be the case in some cases, but there are, you know, things that need to happen before you get to where you get to. And yeah, there are other people that need to have their hands on it and they book out and you have to deal with so many schedules. It's not just you in control of this manuscript. Exactly. You've got a lot of hands. That is the biggest part of traditional publishing. It is a machine. It's a juggernaut, even in our small press, because we have grown 
over the years, there are many hands and many partners that go through a single book. So we produce, um, I think we're up, I don't even know how many books at this point. I'm going to say at least 10 books a month by now. So we're, we're talking about a lot of books that go through a lot of people's hands and a lot of different processes, especially when you're talking about partnering. Um, for example, with traditional they will sometimes have their own in-house audio market and they will sometimes uh, sell rights to audio publishers. That whole process is pitching, contract, negotiation, then actual production, lining up the narrator, etc. cetera. Um, so there's a lot for, for just that one component of publishing. And even when you're talking digital and print, which is the most, I would say, direct path of publishing there's there's tons that goes into it from you know production to marketing advertising promotional plans it's it's a lot that goes into it so the the flip side of this is when you're an indie author you're in charge of all that which can be great for people you know who are or a type personalities like me And want that sense of control and, and able to, to do all that. But the, the negative part is it, it all falls on you. So whatever, and, I, and my biggest advice is to not let yourself get burned out by that and to try to develop a team if possible. Like your editor, for example, is going to be your, your number one kind of go-to person, beta readers or your arc team or both. Um, there's so many people that you can you can build into your indie business. And as you grow and expand, obviously, you, you can pitch to audio companies or you can um, develop the audio book yourself. You can pitch to foreign markets or you can take on a sub rights agent to be able to do that for you. So it's kind of like, you know, starting small and then building that team outwards as you can. Just just don't don't try to do it all yourself all the time. <laughs> And, and, it, and it can be overwhelming and daunting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there might be some readers who think all I have to do is hit the publish button on KDP and the sales are going to roll in. I am going to be a millionaire and <laughs> that's all I need to do. I just need to keep hitting publish with a new book. And I mean, I hope that. I, I hope that for everyone out there who's trying right. to, to publish right. a book. I truly hope right. that that's what happens, but it's highly unlikely. Right, right. That that's not what usually. <laughs> no, if it Happens. was, man, that would yeah. be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> My business would be great. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that that, that that's something to, to consider as well is that when when you are starting out, if you're going the, the indie publishing route, is that you know you give yourself, you know, the time to write the book, however mm-hmm. long that takes—a year, six months, three months, however fast you're writing the book—and then you've got to figure out the time that's going to be needed to edit it, to get the cover design, to come up with a marketing plan. And then you give it, you know, 90 days and, you know, see how it does. And if it, it's making some money back, then, then you can pay off that return on your investment. And then you go, okay, I have this much sort of leftover that I can maybe do the next one, but it's mm-hmm. always the next one. You always right. have to be thinking the next one. And I think when authors first start out, they think I did it this is the thing. Now pay me. Right. (laughs) You got to keep feeding the machine. (laughs) Yeah. And also don't, my biggest thing too, is so many authors I, I fear fall into this trap of like, I have to do 
this a certain way, right? Like I have to spend this much money on an editor. I have to spend this much money on a cover design. And I will tell you that that is the quickest way to go into debt because you do not know how much your book is going to make and if you're going to recoup those losses. So if you are an indie author, especially, and you're just starting out, um, and regardless of your financial situation, I would still recommend is to try and do things for less. You know, there are beautiful covers that you can get for $100. Um, it might not be the top tier, top designer who does all the customizations, but you can get pre-mades for 100 bucks that are beautiful. It is more important to be relevant within your genre and on trend than for you to have a super exclusive cover. Yes, super exclusive covers when they're done well can um, up a book in the market because it's just, you know, Imagine just looking at a bunch of books on a shelf. And if you see one like that, yeah, it can make it stand out. But you can also get beautiful pre-mades. Um, for, for editing, sometimes, and this is very controversial, and it's, it's a controversial topic specifically on BookTok right now, but I'm going to say it. Um, if you cannot afford a, an editor, I highly recommend going through Critique Partners, swapping with other authors yeah. for edits, using beta readers as you need. And then again, when you get more funds in, you can always go back and run it through an editor. If you can afford one, absolutely. They're, they're worth their yeah. weight in gold. But I wish you, I had done that you yeah. know, at, at the beginning. I wish I had you know, been smart and go, don't spend money you don't have. Right. <laughs> you know, I wish I had been a little bit smarter with it. But no, I mean, the, the first few books, I definitely did not know what I was doing. And I was definitely throwing more money into it than I was making. But I just thought, well, this is what you have to do. And mm -hmm. then you're just waiting for that one to cover the expenses of them all. And it's not a great way to run a business. And so you, you do have to learn if you're going to do the, the indie route, you, you've got to learn some, some business skills, or you're going to just run a, a debt. And so that that could be a con to, right. to the to the indie market yes the control part you, you can pick the cover you can pick the price you can you know you can upload it whenever you want you can take it down whenever you want if there's a typo you can upload a new version it's you know yes you've got all this control but you've also got the responsibility exactly um, exactly so. and what i'm talking about with editing i i know that i'm saying something that's controversial and most people will contradict me and say no you must hire an editor and in an ideal world i would say that that's true but the reality is that there are a lot of aspiring authors who want to get their books out there who cannot afford it. So I think just being smart and doing what's best for you and kind of not worrying about what is the, what is the norm um, is going to be better off. If, if you have to pick between you know putting food on the table or hiring somebody professional for your book, put the food on the table first. Yeah. You can always do and that there stuff are later. There are free tools that you can utilize. It won't catch mm -hmm. everything, but Word is pretty good at picking up inconsistencies. There's even a read aloud function so that you can hear it and sometimes catch those missing words or the words you thought you spoke the right way, but really didn't. You can get a Grammarly for, for free. That'll pick up some things. Again, not everything, right. but between that and a critique group or some beta readers, you'll get a fairly clean copy, right? Mm -hmm. So there are ways 
around it at first until you can afford. I mean, I always try to send my editor a clean copy. I think, okay, this time, this time what I send you, you're not going to have any issues with, and you're going to give me a big old pat on the back. And every time I am wrong, 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 literally hundreds of things wrong. How did I go wrong? But that's just, that's just the thing. They, they know yeah. what they're doing. And I like to so think that up. an editor is going to make a good book, a great book. You know, yeah. I don't think an editor is going to make a poorly written book into something incredible unless they're spending a lot of time and effort on it. So at the end of the day, if you shoot for being a good writer and producing a good book, everything that takes you to that great, subjectively great next level can come down the road. I really, I'm a big proponent of starting where you're at and not trying to jump into the deep end of things, which can bring us to the question. And I see it on your list over here, Danielle, because my, my planning Danielle has all of our questions laid out was, does that mean that indie books are not as good as traditionally published books? That is a big debate, a mm -hmm. big debate, especially amongst, I'm going to say it, traditionally published authors. Mm -hmm. Still, even now, will some, not all, will look down their noses at indie authors and say we're saturating the market and that we're not we shouldn't be here we didn't right. deserve the right to be here what are your thoughts on that <laughs> <laughs> so many thoughts. I'm gonna be in so much trouble on this podcast um so first of all good is subjective I don't I don't care who you are and let me say I, I am saying this with a lot of credentials behind me okay I have a master's degree in English. I was a teacher for 20 years in English. I was an editor for just as long. So like, I know the English language pretty darn well, enough to be able to break most of the rules. Um, good is still subjective. You can have a grammatically well-done book. You can have a book that has fantastic characterization amazing plot lines and somebody's still going to hate that book doesn't matter because at the end of the day it really depends on the reader and the readers are the ones who are going to dictate the market and what the readers want is going to be what ultimately says whether or not your book is successful success is also subjective success yes, can be the person who you know put out their 10 page poetry book because it was their dream and they sell it to their friends and family and it feels like the greatest accomplishment of their life and there's absolutely nobody that's going to tell me that that's an invalid experience right. on the flip side of that you can have you know your Stephen King and, and Nora Roberts who are the essentially the pinnacles within their genre and they all still have haters people who will die on the hill that their books are the worst of all time. And on the other flip side, you'll have somebody die on the other hill that their books are the greatest of all time. So good is subjective. And I really hope that if you take away nothing else from this podcast, you take that because yes, there are rules of grammar and you should know them before you break them. There are rules for storytelling. You should know them before you try to break them but you can always get better. You can always read books on craft available at your local library. So you're not spending money. Absolutely. And, and do the things, you know, that are required. But as far as traditionally published books being better than indie, uh, no. 
is going to be my short my short answer after yeah. my very long one. What do you think? Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. I mean, I, there there is a lot of indie books out there. So there's there's mm -hmm. a lot of material, right? And when you have a lot of material of anything, there is going to be some content that is better mm -hmm. and some content that isn't as great. But that's sort of true in any market. There's going to be a, a spectrum of, you know, available stuff. There's going to be a, a great grocery store in town, and there's going to be one that you're only going to get your, you know, little dubbies from. You know, it, it, it it's a, it's kind of the way economy kind of works. And so <laughs> you, you, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. I just dated myself there. Um, but I mean, I think that there's there's even value in in reading uh, poorly written books or poorly structured books, because even when you're reading those, you're going, oh, I see why this isn't working or, oh, I see what a poorly edited, how that takes a reader out of an experience. You can still learn from books that maybe aren't at the top level. I mean, they're, they're still there and they're still serving a purpose. And again, that good is subjective. It might be the story that really resonated with someone and it doesn't resonate with you. That doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that it's different. Mm -hmm. So there's room for us all. I don't think exactly. that it should be an us versus them. There is room for all the markets. And some <laughs> people are like, well, I can't even tell the difference between a traditional and an indie book. And you know, Good. <laughs> in theory, you yeah. In theory, that's good. Usually, the way I can tell is the price. <laughs> the price is usually significantly higher for a traditionally published book because right. they have to pay all those things that you weren't paying for. They've got to pay those cover designers. They've got to pay those editors. They've got to pay all those other hands that the indie author is doing themselves. So yep. that's kind of why that price difference is there. Sometimes. I, I'm, I sometimes think readers maybe don't understand why there's such a cost difference though too. Mm -hmm. and, and that actually leads to another another question that I had is, what do you think that that readers maybe don't know about the difference between indie and traditionally published books? That's a good question. So we were talking about price differences. Now, usually the price of a traditionally published digital book will be higher. Um, it depends on the genre. It depends on the uh, author's popularity. It depends on where they are selling the book to. For example, the um, school library market is going to be a much different price range than the uh, commercial retail market. So digital is usually higher. However, sometimes indie paperbacks are higher. Now, the reason for that is indie authors, including most small press, publish through print on demand, meaning every time someone orders a book, the book is printed right then and there by whatever distributor um, you're going through. So it could be usually for indie, it's Amazon or Ingram, there are others. With traditional books, they get what's called print runs. So they can print, let's say, a thousand to 10,000 to a hundred thousand books in one run and get bulk pricing on print. So the cost of their books to on a wholesale level is much cheaper. So then they can sell them for less of a price than a one-time printed book. 
So sometimes why the paperback is cheaper than the ebook. Yes, exactly. Or they're the same price. I've seen that yeah. too. Like, yeah. Why are we charging yeah. the same price? That seems strange to me. Um, but so traditional will keep their digital higher and often their paperback a little lower or at least comparable to the indie market to be able to compete with the indie market. They're also selling in more retail bookstores than indie can have access to. Um, so that's usually the case. And then I think the other big question I get a lot from readers is why is this not available in audio? Mm. Oh, and if I could just have every book available in audio with a right? snap of my fingers. I mean, we would love it too. Man, that would be amazing. But to produce an audio book and then to market an audio book is a minimum of $3,000, yep. minimum, period. Yep. Um, and usually more. Now, That's why we don't do it. <laughs> yes. Now, indie authors do have access to royalty share options with the narrator and certain percentages that they can get around, but it's a very long contract. So whether or not the book does well is going to be dependent on not a great situation. Yeah, it's just not, it's not good yeah. for indie authors. So it's, it's not advisable. If you really want to get the, the audiobook out there, then that's, that's typically how they do it. Or they have to save up the money knowing that they may never recoup that money. Yeah. So yeah. that's why most of your indie authors don't have audiobooks out there. It's not because we don't want to. Oh gosh, because no. we can't <laughs> afford to. <laughs> and I think, I think maybe the, another thing that especially something that I see, especially like on TikTok or social media, TikTok? I don't know why I said TikTok. <laughs> TikTok or social media is the frustration about a series not being the same size or mm. even in the same, you know, some are paperback and some are hardback. Yes. The author has no control of that if they yes. are in a traditionally published it would frustrate the bejesus out of me as well if, the, but we, we can't control that. That's completely right. a publisher thing. And I think sometimes the readers don't understand that we're not doing that just to be mean or make you go out and buy all the hardback versions of something. Right. It's just, it's not within our- Not only do traditionally published authors not have control over their, their sizing like that, they don't even have control over whether or not they finish that series a lot of the time. Unless the, the series has been bought as a whole, the guarantee of whether the next book will be published is contingent upon sales. Um, we don't do that at our small press. We, we typically, as long as the author wants to write, um, sometimes we'll advise them if a series is not going well to rebrand. We're actually doing that with a couple of series this year because the covers and blurbs are outdated and we need to be on trend for the market. So we'll do a rebrand. Um, sometimes the author just doesn't want to continue a series that isn't selling well, and that's okay too. But at traditional houses, a lot of the times, if a book one, book two doesn't do well, it won't get a book three. So if it does at all, um, and further obviously along, then, then <laughs> consider that lucky. Um, and don't worry too much about the covers matching or not, because the, the publisher will change the cover if they think it will sell better with a different type of cover. Yeah. And, and I think maybe that's something that readers don't understand too, is that I know, I know a lot of people won't bother to read a series until it's done. Mm -hmm. And that is detrimental to yep. the series because if they're not getting those purchases, the publishing house, or even if you're indie and you're mm -hmm. not seeing those sales come in, you go, okay, people aren't interested in this book. We're not going to write anymore on it. And a series could die because people said, oh, I'll just wait till it's done. Yep. 
you can't really do that, especially in ET. It works the same way in television series too. You, you can't just wait for it to be done. You have to support it while it's there so that there is momentum to keep it going. And I know how frustrating it is to wait a year for a book to come out. I know. Or how long to wait a year for a series to come out. I know. I get it. But if you want the content, you have to support it. Right? Absolutely. So, 100%. Yeah. That's a good point too. I think, um, I think one of the frustrations that some traditional authors feel when it comes to indie is the nature of the rapid release. Um, I personally love rapid release for certain genres. I'm doing it myself with my sci-fi series um, because it enables reader to get that binge-like quality that they're used to with you know, rollouts like programs on Netflix or Hulu where it's boom, here's the whole series, right? You know, back in the day, we had to wait week to week or years to come out. Oh my gosh, what is this? We don't want to wait anymore. So a whole summer for the next season. What? I do think we we are in a market where expectations are higher for more immediacy. And I think that could be the frustration of traditional authors because the entire process is just that much slower. Um, So that is a good thing for readers to know that if you have a especially a traditional author that you really like or an indie author who is a producer at a slower pace is not this rapid release pace. Um, the best way that you can support them is to continue to follow them and continue to buy their books when they come out. If you get, if you give up on that author, chances are you won't see them again. So that's really important too. Yeah, Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Um, do, do you think that, uh, that there are, we were talking about sort of pros and cons of indie and and, and traditional. Do you think that there are some, some things maybe that indie authors can get away with more so than traditional authors can get away with, do you think? Or Hmm. is it, or the rules the same? I'm thinking, I guess, more in terms of like covers and content. It feels like indie authors might have a little bit more wiggle room Mm-hmm. to be uh, to put things out that maybe a publishing house would be like yeah. absolutely you could definitely you be know? more avant-garde you can be right. more genre crossing you can um, push the boundaries of acceptability um, whatever that means <laughs> right <laughs> in terms of content and covers as long as you're not breaking any terms of service with your retailers you can really uh, put out what you want and that's kind of the nice thing about indie publishing is that we get books and stories, I think especially in the area of diversity that we wouldn't necessarily get in the traditional market. And yes, yeah. you know, that things are changing traditionally too. Traditional publishers are realizing that they have to expand more in order to keep uh, relevancy with the market. But it's definitely indie that paves the way for, for that kind of change and that kind of expansion of, of what's, yeah. uh, what's available. No. For for an author who is sort of looking at these pros and cons and and whatnot, what do you what are the things that you think that you sh- that they should be looking at to really make that deciding factor of oh yeah I think mm-hmm. I'm more in line to go traditional versus I'm more in line to be an indie. What what are some of the things that you would say to somebody's questioning? I think you really have to know yourself and what you're comfortable with the better self-awareness that you have about the things that you value and the time that you want to al- 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 yeah. time that you want to allocate to each thing 
Because as an indie author, if you are going to be successful, you are running a business and you have to think of it that way. Um, I love running a business, but that is not for everybody. And if you're not going to treat it like a business, if you're just going to treat it like a hobby, then indie publishing is not for you. You will not be able to succeed that way. Um, regardless of if you're indie or traditional, you do have to take your marketing into account because traditional will market for you to a certain extent. However, they are more than ever expecting things like online presence, social media platforms, um, putting yourself out there in a extroverted way that most writers are not. Mm -hmm. So if you are not comfortable with those things, can you still be a writer? Of course you can. Of course you can. But it's going to be that much harder, indie or traditional, if you're, if you're not putting yourself out there in a social media presence sort of way. What would be yeah. your um, advice to indie versus Yeah, traditional? I mean, I think, yeah, looking, looking at sort of how much time you have available mm. to, to put toward, toward this career. If all you want to do is write it and be done with it, then you probably need to look at traditional and get really, you know, used to waiting around and being okay with not getting an immediate paycheck and, you mm -hmm. know, being okay with just sort of letting that one go off to college and see if it turns into anything, right? So you've got to let that one go and work on the next thing. Um, but if you feel like you're somebody who's like, you know what, I want to get my hands dirty. I want to learn all the things that I need to learn. If that's your type of personality that I want to be in control of, of all the bells and whistles, then I, I would go the indie route. But yeah, I think mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. Either way, you're not going to get out of marketing. Mm -mm. <laughs> Neither path gets you <laughs> a free pass of, oh, I won't have to, to market because you absolutely right. do. Publishers are really looking at that social media presence and how many followers do you have? And, you know, are you on TikTok? They're looking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, 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 it's part of your resume now. So people can be uncomfortable on the platform, but you still, I think, I think you need to be there in some way, shape or form because they're relying on you, the author to help sell the book, right? Because people are more inclined to buy a book from someone, a face than they are from a company, right? Yep. So it, it only makes sense. And I would say if you're just starting out with social media to pick the platform that you feel the most comfortable on yep. and really establish yourself on that platform, get involved with the community that's already there, network with authors, network with readers, see what the what's going on in that specific community. If it's to your genre, even better. Um, but don't do something just because somebody tells you that's where you should be, right? right? If you're not going to be authentic and spend the time to, to create community within those social media platforms, then it's not worth it. Because if you just want to get on there to market your book, there's thousands of others who do the same thing. You won't stand out. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, yeah, that, that's a great, that's great advice. Start, start with one, you know, mm -hmm. start with one platform. And then as you get more comfortable, maybe you can add another, you don't have to add 12 platforms and try to manage them all and get overwhelmed that you're not putting, start with one. And right. then as you get more comfortable and you get the hang of it, you know, to, do to grab your website domain, Danielle yes. Bannister, do grab that. <laughs> Wait, you. Great, you! Yes, yes. A website is a good idea. <laughs> I'm teasing Website and a newsletter. <laughs> website and newsletter. 
one social media platform that's your homework regardless if you go traditional or indie pick it on me i am i am it only took me a gazillion years to get an actual domain name just go and park your domain name just go and buy it the dot com of your name or if you don't have dot com's not available i just didn't know how to do it and i didn't know how to brain it and now i now i understand and now i have done it it only took 10 years but i did it i did it done did it and it's done and it's mine now so that 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 that's a mistake I think that 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 authors can make is is not knowing how to do certain things and not asking for help when you don't know how to do this the certain things. Sometimes you think that you're so stupid, like how I should know how to do this. But there are people who don't know how to do things, and you Absolutely. have to ask for help. And when you build up a, a an author community of of authors who are at or near your same experience level, I think that's that's the sweet spot because yep. I don't know if you necessarily want to join a community of authors that are, you know, outselling you and, you know, making zillions of dollars because the advice that they're going to give you is going to be something that maybe you can't process or you're not able to financially do, right? So right. it can be frustrating and it can, it can squash you and go, oh, I, I'm not cut out to do this. But if you're in this group of we're all in this together and we're all lifting each other up and, hey, did you see this resource? Did you hear about this? There's that sense of community because writing is a really lonely, you know, career choice. If you don't have these other authors to lift you up you can you can get frustrated and you can back out i would also say please get rid of the idea that you have stupid questions i can't tell you how many emails i get in a week that is from an author who says i know this probably sounds stupid but please drop that there is no stupid question you don't know what you don't know so asking is the only way that you learn So how can any question that you have possibly be stupid if it's something that you're asking in order to learn, right? Right. I I have always hated that idea. I feel like writers in particular, traditional or indie, a lot of the times are self-conscious about not knowing the publishing process, about not knowing how things work, and then being really tentative about asking, or even worse, not asking. Ask, ask. We don't wanna look stupid. No, we're supposed to be the writer. We're supposed to be smart. We're supposed to know what we're doing. And a lot of times we don't. No, (laughs) ask ask all the questions. If you're not comfortable going, if you, if you have an editor and you're not comfortable going to them, or you have a publisher or an agent, which is crazy because you should absolutely be asking all these people. But if you're not comfortable, join an author group, ask in the group, search in the group, because probably somebody's already asked the question before. Do all the things, but never be afraid to ask about something that you are not familiar with. Like you should never feel bad about asking a question. That's my biggest word. <laughs> Ask the questions. <laughs> and yet I've done it time and time again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we've killed this topic today. Nice. What do you think? I love killing the topic. <laughs> Drive it into the ground. No, now, now everybody knows what path they need to take without a doubt. They know which are the we should have like a quiz at the end. Okay, here's right. 10 questions to figure out. Will you be traditional or indie? By the way, those quizzes never work. Don't do them. No, no, no. <laughs> Just have a good heart to heart with yourself. If you're not sure, if you don't have, you don't feel like you have that sense of self-awareness, 
ask your friends, ask your social group. Like, do you think that I am more of column A or column B? They don't have to know anything about traditional versus indie. All they have to do is give you a bunch of characteristics about yourself and you'll be able to figure out which path is better for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And your and your friends will tell it to you straight. It's like, <laughs> no, you can't do this. You can't do this. Go the traditional road or no. Oh, you've absolutely got this. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. <laughs> the friends are honest. <laughs> it's true. Friends are sometimes too honest. And uh, they are. With that, I think that about does it for us today. So be sure to listen to us next week as we talk about books, writing, and all the things we love about indie and traditional publishing in Bound by Books. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bound by Books podcast. For more information about the show and all of our hosts, visit our website at www.boundbybookspodcast.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.